0: Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory.
1: Your all access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks
0: the Hawks with an eye on the Hawk. It is Iowa, Iowa State week across the entire state. Mitch Fick, Owen Sebring, Mike Howell here with eye on the Hawks. Owen, uh, everything that we think we've learned about the Hawkeyes and Cyclones, throw it out because that's just what happens in rivalry games. (laughs) Throw Throw
2: the records out the window, especially after week one that you played a a Mountain West team and you played an FCS opponent where both coaches seem to go in get what they needed to get done in the first half and then kind of hold their cards close to their vest in the second half. And so it's it's this is never a week one game, it
0: seems like Iowa and Iowa State, but it almost feels like a week one game sometimes. It's, it's always, I think it's typically the, the second game in the non-con, so yeah, you you see what you got, figure things out, and then throw everything out again because yep. it's, a, it's a rivalry game. Mike, your biggest takeaway is watching both Iowa and Iowa State in week
1: one. My biggest takeaway is when I rewatched the Iowa State game on replay, they, and people have said this, so I'm not the first one, but they look more like Iowa than, than Iowa did. They scored a <laughs> defense a touchdown. Their punting was amazing, a 56 yeah. yard field goal. Uh, we'll talk about the special teams later, but that's a legitimate battle this year. It's something that won Iowa a couple of Seahawks games, you know, with that fumbled punt at the end of the game a few years ago when the weather delay and stuff like that. So they look solid on defense. They've got some real dudes. And uh, the, their big question mark, too, is the same as ours, is the same as Iowa's is can you run the ball? Can your offensive line um, improve?
0: Yeah, it's always some answers in week one, but then plenty of questions still to figure out. But obviously the one question on everybody's mind is how do the players feel about this rivalry as it continues to evolve with new players every year and whatnot uh, from the Hawkeye standpoint. Ranges from everything from, hey, it's just another game, to who is raising these Cyclone youths?
2: It's like in high school. You know, the team, you know, that team next door, you don't want to lose those guys. You just don't. And I'm sure they feel the same way. And uh, Bear Bryant used to say it, you know, he talked about, you know, guys having to go home and, you know, they go to the pharmacy and
0: they got to answer why, why they lost to, to Auburn, you know, and Alabama would have to answer that. You know how important it is to the kids that are from Iowa and all the guys that are, um, you know, I, I, have heard stories about people not talking to the, their Iowa State friends, um, you know, at school and stuff. I've
1: heard just uh, plenty of middle finger stories, honestly. <laughs> So, I'm pretty excited to get in that environment. Probably just the derogatory language
0: that was thrown over the fence by so many people, you know what I mean? I was kind of like, oh god, god. I, I'm old enough and I can take it, but I was looking around and going, some of these guys are pretty young, Sure. and it, I just found it really interesting, you know, there's like 9 or 10 year old kids swearing and things like that over the fence, and it just makes you think, it's like, who are these guys' parents, you know what I mean? Because I know if that was my little brother saying it, my mum would... Go crazy, with my dad.
1: It doesn't bother me at all. So anything that they say to me doesn't bother me. Obviously, if I, I've had some encounters, um, just, but it's just the fans being the fans. So um, they're going to, again, like I said, they're going to talk trash, but it doesn't really bother me. It honestly kind of fuels me. Have you
0: heard about what their fans are, are going to be like walking into Jack Trice? Uh, it's going to be pretty toxic, pretty toxic <laughs> environment. But, you know, it's going to be loud, and, you know, you, you live for that. So it's going to be fun.
2: I want to double back on uh, what Tori said
0: there and, and uh, go to the conversation
2: you and I had. I think you and I both had yesterday with our colleague Jake Brin from WOI. Yeah. He's a lifelong Cy-Hawk, Cyclone fan, and he had his family's had season tickets for years, but he wasn't even allowed to go to CyHawk games until he was like, a sophomore in high school because his parents just knew that was such a toxic poisonous environment where you know they might see somebody get arrested or you know a, fan a might, nine-year-old might use a swear he, he said he was at a game in kinnick once where he had a beer thrown at him because he just That's stood right. up and cheered and there, so i mean
0: it's it's different you throw out the record books and throw whatever th- i just i was <laughs> so taken aback that that tory again he's old enough he can handle it you know it was just these nines and ten-year-olds what are they doing it was <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> I just couldn't believe you know. it such a whispered breathless uh, incredulousness. (laughs) The the
1: first CyHawk game I went to as a student back when I went in 2009, Mm -hmm. I believe. You know, you're walking down Lincoln Way and to get to Jack Trice, you gotta go by all these frats. And the frat guys are just sitting at the lawn, and they can't go on the sidewalk. I don't know if it's a frat rule or whatever. They're just swearing at you. You know, I'm sure it's the same in Iowa, but the frats aren't on the way to Kinnick, so it's a little, yeah. a little bit less of a wall. You know, like that gauntlet that you have to walk through.
0: It's yeah. like that in, in Minneapolis too. If you're oh, going yeah. to TCF Bank or Huntington Bank Stadium now, or to the Metrodome back in the day, just wherever you're walk. If you're in black and gold and you're walking past maroon and gold, uh, that's gonna that's that's gonna hit. So you you, walk that was a shame. Your, <laughs> yep, your your first Cyhawk memory. Any Cyhawk memories as you've gotten into? covering things growing up on, on your side of the state? I was trying to think about the first time I went to
2: a Hawk game because growing up, I mean, I, I have kind of a different background because my parents, neither of my parents grew up in Iowa. Mm. And, uh, they met at Colorado State and then moved out here. So we were raised Broncos fans, and, and you know, I kind of followed both teams. And so I never really got big into the rivalry growing up. I think my first one probably was as an employee, I think, sure. of – of Keg over in Sioux City, so probably like 2017, I think was my first Sci-Hot game. Uh, Favor, though, I, I think just for the unique factor was that game that had the what was it, two or three different like rain and lightning glaze and 2019, stuff. In 2019, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was just like uh, was that was that the overtime game or how did that? That was it? the one where Dante Young recovered the muff punt. Yeah, yeah, I think that was it just because of the.
0: Sheer uniqueness of that game was probably one of my favorites. The first game I ever covered uh, in college was the 08 hockey, and We were talking about this on Tuesday during media availability. Andy Brodell returns a punt that was kind of the, the crown jewel of what was a bit of a sloppy game. It was a rainy day, not nearly like 2019, but uh, a little messy. And there's a shot from the Gazette where it's I'm. Obviously standing on the photog line on the back of the end zone by the by the player tunnel, and I was just kind of shadowing that day. And so you've got this row of photographers and camera people all lined up getting the dog pile of on top of Andy Brodell, who takes back this punt, and it's me just holding a reporter's notebook, just like, <laughs> and you know, journalistic integrity. Punt <laughs> return touchdown.
1: You're writing on your notebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great.
0: Um, and then I covered the the 2009 one in Ames. Uh, always stuck out to me. Uh, was it? Sash had three picks. Uh, Sash and Greenwood at Sash least. Sash and Greenwood won. did. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Austin kind of Nod awesome. was the Austin quarterback. They picked him off four times. Game side quarterback. He, yep. Uh, Keenan Davis had his first career touchdown, which was thirty-five awesome. to zero or thirty-five, 35 to three. seven. Yeah. Seven, yeah. Um, and uh, Brandon Wager, That was kind of the the Brandon uh, Wager game of like yes. Okay. Sioux City Helens Pride uh, <laughs> might might be doing well there. Uh, and then I twenty eleven still sticks out to me the Steel Giants game. Oh, uh, beat I forgot UN, about that. They beat you and I. Terrell Rennie, and David Johnson was a freshman on that team the, the week before, and it was this crazy comeback win, Steel Jance rolling right and just launching one to Josh Lenz to knock off the Panthers, and then you have this 44-41 just incredible battle there back and forth, and Steel Jantz was Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week, and people were already kind of interest-peaked of like, who's this Steel Jance kid that <laughs> kind of came out of nowhere? And, Did you, you know, ever
1: hear the joke? Afterwards, go ahead. You, you steal have a Jans next year, is what they were telling. I was in Ames. That was the last time I was in Ames for a Cyhawk game. Huh.
0: I I just remember doing it. It was the that Monday was the first sportscast I ever anchored, mm. and I remember, um, I think the the cryon or the the graphic we used was Man of Steel. I mean, just because I didn't have any creativity, it was right there. <laughs> it's not bad. Uh, but there are some some Cy-Hawk memories for sure. So you will, uh, I'm sure people have plenty last year too of just the the mess of a game that was in terms of weather again uh, in a 10-7 cyclone victory uh
1: before we move on yeah. on the favorite uh the game i mentioned earlier was my first as a visiting fan that brodell one was my freshman year so i was there but my favorite all-time game and this seems like nothing is a 2003 game because it broke the streak and i was yeah. a middle schooler at the time and i started ever since i started watching hockey football we'd lose to ava state
0: yeah.
1: and i uh, it and Fort Dodge is where Especially I'm from. Especially after
0: 2002. Yeah. Where you're up and Seneca does Seneca uh-huh. things and yeah.
1: In um, Fort Dodge, it's about half Cyclone, half Hawkeyes, I'd say. Maybe more Cyclones because it's close to Ames. And everyone would just ride on the, on the Hawkeye fans when Iowa State Week came. So that first week, I got to experience a win, which is kind of crazy because before that, it was 15 straight with Hayden. I was just giving it to all my Cyclone fans, <laughs> friends in Fort Dodge. So
0: Mike's seen some stuff in his life <laughs> at that point. Uh, Yeah, certainly a fun one. 2015 sticks out to me. I wasn't there, but I think that was the first Gus Johnson, Joel Clack game that was on Mm. Fox. And I still remember... Gus being in his element, Joel was was great. Just the the commentary I was watching back back in Michigan, it was right after Tyler Sash had passed away, so that was an emotional. Was
1: that for, the CJ Beathard 44 C.J. yard run that he C.J. had? CJ Beathard, of, yeah.
0: look, at, look at the quarterback run. Yeah.
1: Um, had a touchdown to Riley got, McCarron, I believe, yeah, and uh, it into a Matt shoebox. Vandenberg. Yeah. That was some,
0: yeah, Vandenberg had a big game. That was just a, a huge week. That was the week where after the Illinois State game, that was the statement, getting down early and coming back. Mm-hmm. and. Again, Gus and Joel on a game uh, that ups the ante a little bit. And I think that might have been the first Hawkeye game they had done together as a team. And Mm -hmm. now look where they are eight years later.
2: As much as we talk about the players and the things they look forward to, memories, things like that, I will say I I think I've been to every CyHawk game since 2017 Mm -hmm. um, just as an employee. But like... It's just so such a treat to be a part of that rivalry and that it's history fun. in a very small way from the sideline, getting a
0: chance to see that environment and walk the sidelines in those games. It's, it's just a different energy. And, and uh, you, you heard about that a little bit. It's just what that energy can, can bring from fans and whatnot. And uh, you heard Seth Anderson talk about him being told about the environment more from Seth uh, in a little bit, quite the development on a, a short little 10-second soundbite making the rounds on the internet. But let's go to the 2023 edition of the CyHawk game. And we talked touched on this a little bit, both teams taking care of business, doing what they needed to do. First thoughts coming in, uh, particularly in ISU defense. It's been talked up quite a bit. TJ Tampa, you could argue, is the best cornerback in the Big, big 10, best defensive, or Big 12, I should say, uh, out there, an Iowa offense that... Showed some flash, but people are still uh, ravenous for a little more. What are your first thoughts going into Saturday? Uh, I think it has the potential to be a close game, although I,
2: I don't know if I think it really will be. Um, I, I do think that Iowa has the better overall team this season. I think that Iowa State... Um, was really fired up last week because there were people thinking that Northern Iowa might come out and give them a test and they and they people saw out. that
0: 21 point spread when it first came out and yeah people's <laughs> eyes went wide like what are we going
2: but, yeah and so so I think that uh, they really came out with some fire last week to open the season but I think that Iowa held back enough and they're gonna come out and really um, open some eyeballs this week and um, get back into the top 25 and yeah I, I think uh, when I was talking on the eye and the Hawks TV show earlier with Andre Dawson and Kyle Knock. I think 31 to seven is the final I predicted for Iowa winning this
0: game. Gotcha, all right, well, more picks coming in later in the show as well. Mike, any thoughts on on what you're expecting Saturday?
1: Yeah, I, I expect, you know, I know the under is like really low. I expect a low scoring game though. These two defenses are, you know, I, I don't even know which one's better. I was watching, you know, the Iowa State game on replay and they got some good de- defense alignment. Uh, Tyler Iwanu, I don't know how to say his name, but he is just everywhere, number 11. And uh, Dominique Orange, awesome. Na- they have a, a lot of good names, too. Ben Nickel, like I think he's the nickelback, and he was like a second team defensive back, but he's, you know, a senior. So he made like two or three pass breakups in a row against you And I. Um, and uh, Cooper had the pick, I believe his name. Jeremiah Cooper had the yep. pick, six right off the bat. Yep. I mean. Two picks in the game, I think. Two picks, yep. Yeah. I mean, they're secondary could rival Iowa's I know there's a lot there's a lot of talent in, on both defenses so
2: did you see the picture of the two guys next to
0: each other that are Hammond Bacon <laughs> yeah I did another good name anyway yeah that's perfect Iowa stuff <laughs> uh Cade McNamara at the podium on Tuesday for Iowa admitted there were some plays left out there against Utah State I think anybody who watched the game saw just a, a little bit off I asked him about it he says he doesn't think they were too far from getting a couple of those bigger plays to hit say so you left a few plays out there but did it feel like you weren't too far off from, from hitting a couple of those? Oh,
1: no. Uh, I mean, we were right there. I think, you know, this. Is, it was just, you know, it was our first game, you know, and I, I'm, no one was expecting it to be completely perfect. But, you know, we definitely, based on the way that we've been practicing and the way we've been moving the ball, I think, you know, a lot of the guys, when, you know, you don't execute to 100%, guys are going to, want to do that as a competitor so going back and watching the film that's how we felt and you know we're just doing everything we possibly can to clean those things up
0: plays we were talking about there uh the ones that stuck out to me there was a go route to and we talked about this sunday too during the live pod uh, go route to caleb brown that just you know about a step short nico had one just go through his arms in the back of the end zone great throw from from Cade, there was another one, I think, on that same drive as they were trying to score before they had to settle for the field goal at the end of the first half. A little swing out to LaShawn on a, a bit of a wheel route that literally was just outside of his hands. And I, that was the most demonstrative I saw Cade all game was after missing that one. Like, that was the one go up 21 3 instead of 17 3 at the end of the half. But again, you got film now, you've been watching it. And, you know, as he said right there, what we, we thought we were going to see on film in terms of just being right on the tip of it is what they saw. So it didn't sound like they were too worried about what you didn't get to see from that yeah. offense. Also. I think that's what's fun about always playing this game in week two is
2: that uh, these teams get a chance to go out there, have a little bit of a warm-up game, and then, then come out and maybe play a little bit more clean in week two when they face off against each other.
0: There's a little discussion too about uh, his health and what he can do again with that that right leg right now, whether or not he's more comfortable in shotgun or under center. He says that doesn't really matter, doesn't really hamper him. Uh, he and Kirk both talked about the fact that the QB sneak, which is, again, the, the cornerstone of an Iowa Russian attack sometimes, uh, is probably off the table right now. I asked Kirk about whether or not Hayden Large, a 6'5 fullback, if that can maybe remedy the situation. He said maybe they take that to the drawing board. So we don't really know about what opportunity will come there in those fourth and short situations. Again, they tried to run it, uh, I believe, in the first quarter still mm-hmm. and got stopped, and that was one of those missed opportunities. Speaking of opportunities... Back to Seth Anderson, of course, scored the first touchdown of 2023 on uh, the second play of the game, was very excited about that. We heard him show off a little confidence in the post game when he said, hey, you know, the minute we called that play, I knew it was a touchdown. Well, he was asked about what he sees from Iowa State on Tuesday, and here you go. (laughs)
1: What are you seeing on film from Iowa State? Uh, A lot of opportunity, for sure. In what way? in a good way.
0: (laughs) Confident. So, I shared that clip on Twitter yesterday, Tuesday. Uh, This morning, Chris Hassel, well-known Iowa fan, works at CBS Sports, formerly ESPN and WHO in Des Moines, uh, and he framed it as it was, didn't expect the Iowa offense to have bulletin board material, but here we are. And so there's been quite the discussion in the comments and the replies of, that's not bulletin board material. That's him saying, hey, there's an opportunity for us to measure ourselves against a really good secondary that TJ Tampa's leading. Or is it bulletin board material? Because again, he's, he's got that twinkle in his eye. And <laughs> Seth, again, Seth is a super confident guy. It's in his genes. Uh-huh. He's a big flip, I believe is what we're supposed to start calling him now, <laughs> uh, according to Nico Ragiani. Uh, how did you read his comments? Truthfully, I did not see it as Bolton Board material when I first
2: heard it. Um I think I was just kind of stepping in there and I I I heard it as like him trying not to be too detailed in his response to the reporters trying to ask very short answers from him on everything Yeah. Yeah. yes and so that's how i kind of saw just like oh you know uh, some opportunity out there you know maybe good opportunity i don't think he was saying like oh yeah they stink and i'm really gonna light (laughs) them up um i think he was just trying to maybe deflect and try not to talk about the game too much so i was kind of in the same boat but uh as we learned um there's bolton board opportunity everywhere by the way I, I didn't know this uh, David Eicholt was telling us this yesterday that he was in here last week and he'd had he'd had that quote that I loved about like hey you know Iowa Iowa coaches have to come out there and respect their opponent luckily I'm in a position where I don't have to um, and I posted that on Twitter and apparently Utah State like played that in their locker room um, David, <laughs> no way that. yeah he,
0: so he used to live in Utah and yeah. so he knows some people within the program. Like. Yeah, that made it into the locker room. So, maybe this, does... Mike, did what did you think of Seth's comments? Yeah. Bulletin board or respect?
1: See, I, I, I don't think personally it's bulletin board material. But Mitch and, I, Mitch and I were talking this morning. Like, teams can say that and take it, and you could take that in a way like there's holes in the defense, right? Mm-hmm. That's one way you could do it. So I could see like on Saturday, someone hits Seth or breaks up a pass. Where's the opportunity now? You know, yeah. Just stuff like that. It's like the Mitch brought it up yet this morning. Like the Michael. Jordan documentary. Uh-huh. I took like, that personally. Yeah, I took that personally. Like, they're going to take whatever they need, and it probably is, but I don't think Seth meant it that way. Yeah, no. Wh-
2: which uh, Iowa fans even did for that, sa- whatever soundbite that the Utah State quarterback said something about, like, you know, their defense isn't too complicated. Exactly. Yeah. I-, I heard an Iowa fan yelling at their quarterback, like, oh, you thought our defense was easy, is that right? Are we easy now? And it's like, that's not even what he said. But it's like, even fans love to just like twist people's words into a way that uh, just turns into Baltimore. The frame
0: is everything, one... One man's uh, admiration or respect for a, a challenge and opportunity is another person's. They don't respect us at all, which which gives credence to
2: why it is that these players come out and do are so tight lipped with <laughs> us as media sometimes because they're like, gosh, what am I going to say that's going to get f- twisted around to be Board material? Yeah, was wow. uh, some of the funnier
0: replies were just simply, well, that's the last time we see Seth Anderson at media availability.
1: <laughs> <His> Smiled <laughs> at most of the talking. It seemed like if you're taking it like that, but he a smiles super, a lot. He, he's yeah, a he's super got a great happy smile. Kid,
0: he, yeah. and again uh, with the debut he had and him getting to an opportunity I we talked about this earlier too early uh, earlier in a podcast we tried to predict two of the starting two wide receivers were going to be Saturday uh both of you said it was going to be Nico and Deontay just based on seniority I think I said it was going to be Nico and Seth and it ended up being uh Deontay and Seth so mm. none of none of us were wow. right. And Eric All was split out to the right, right, so yeah, yeah. none of us had Eric All in there. But, so, <laughs> again, Seth, uh, as he's shown, is, is going to be a major player in all of this. Now to the other side of things, Iowa's defense against ISU's offense. Again, some sparks from uh, Rocco in his first career start, Iowa. Gives up the late touchdown on the drive that maybe skews the, uh, skews the perception of the statistics a little bit, but is this more about – Uh, I'm guessing I'm getting ahead of myself. We won't cut that. Let everybody see the warts. Um, What are we expecting out of this matchup here? Again, just a second career start for an Iowa State quarterback coming in against an Iowa defense that maybe wants to to show a little bit more. Um, I do think that
2: Iowa's defense is going to handle them comfortably. Um, I think that Maybe I'm still just analyzing the Iowa State U and I game too much in my head. I think that Iowa State got that early pick six against U and I, and momentum's then, crazy. Yeah, yeah. U and I was just on their heels for the rest of the half and played, you know, an okay second half. Um, and so I think that was the biggest factor that made that game a little bit more lopsided that last week. Um, but I do think that Iowa's defense has enough spark, enough talent um, that uh, that they're going to go out there and. Uh, play play well against Iowa State's offense that that group is still maybe learning to gel Rocco is still you know this is just going to be a second start as a cyclone. I think there's still a lot of guys that are kind of just learning their paces out there. Yeah. Mike your thoughts
1: yeah it again I think Iowa's defense it's a known commodity um, their running game looked all right against you and I. Uh, how will it do against uh, you know a vastly better defensive line and Jay Higgins and Nick Jackson? Um, can Nick play more of a run defense? You know, we heard from Jay last week that Nick was playing coverage all all game, and that's why I only had like what two two or three tackles. So I I think they're probably going to try and get the ball out wide, you know, pretty early. Um, I think Iowa will probably have more chances at getting sacks compared to last week when Cooper Legault was just throwing it two seconds, yeah, you know, into the into the reeds. But yeah, I, I still think it's going to be low scoring on the Iowa State offense, and same way on the other side. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll hear a little bit more about having to go up against an up tempo offense on top of ninety degree heat coming up from from Kyler Fisher in a little bit. This is the question I thought I was reading as uh, I was getting mixed up in the run down here. Special teams. What it, it could be a big day for special teams. We talked about great punting, a long field goal for Iowa State. Uh, Caleb Johnson started the game off in Iowa City with a great kick return. Tory had a punt blocked and it still went thirty seven yards. He got a field goal from Drew Stevens. Who is feeling better about their special teams coming in this game or? Uh, if you ask me, you're both feeling pretty darn good. I it's it's
2: funny with the other day when we talked about that opening kickoff return. I'd like completely forgotten about that play <laughs> until you mentioned it the next day, just because of the touchdown to Seth that happened two plays later. Yeah. It's like you know it kind of got forgotten, but that was the one that set up Seth's yeah. first touchdown. Um, but as a whole, special teams. I don't know. I mean, Iowa State's definitely feeling confident right now with uh, with with their game. Um, they historically have maybe even though Matt Campbell likes to say otherwise have not been great <laughs> at special teams the last few years. So, um, I think they definitely have more confidence, but as far as who's got the better one right now, I'd, I'd still give it to, um, Iowa and their experience with, with Tory Taylor and with Drew Stevens, they they've got the
0: experience there. Sure. Yeah. And if, we've seen Cooper make plays in on punt return. And then if, if Caleb's back there doing his thing too, uh, just another weapon, your thoughts, Mike,
1: I, I think you'd have to feel better if you're Iowa State only because I do think they, they struggled last year a lot. Good and time. I think they missed a couple late field goals that would have gave them wins. And if you won, you can, you, we have a soundbite from Matt Campbell. if He kind of disagrees with the notion that Iowa State didn't have a good special teams last year, if you guys want to hear it. Let's Sir, hear it. Bring it up.
0: Again, I think the myth is that we've not been good on special teams. Which is a farce. Um, when we've had great specialists, we've been really good. And I think what you see is you see a sophomore punter that's growing in. You saw a freshman last year. You see a senior kicker. You saw a true freshman last year. And then um, you know I think you look at it and you say, man, we're a lot better with our wisdom and our, our age. And when we've had Mevis and we've had all those guys, you know we've been really good. No one's in their corner for their players more than than Matt Campbell, and he, he makes valid points there. Also, any time a college coach can use the word farce, I am <laughs> fully supportive of that. That's wonderful. It, it, that brings up a
2: question, though, because I, I brought this up to to Mike earlier, that it's like, is he in his player's corner? If you made that comment about, like, you know, we've been good when we had right a specialist. <laughs> right right like, now he is. Yeah. I'm like, is, is he, like, dogging his players that he had <laughs> previously that were missing kicks or whatever? It
0: sounded like a lot more, again, he pointed out the fact that it was Young guys and like, hey, like you know,
1: well they went out and got an, a new kicker too. Exactly, uh, from, yeah. from Nebraska, the, I believe. it's is, last year is was different.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, Kirk did the same thing talking about his guys going into last year against South Dakota State. The fact that it was a line that hadn't played a whole lot. You know, Connor Colby had 11 starts. Other than that, it was a lot of new faces in there getting kind of thrown in. And even says two years ago or two years before that, when Connor was going in for the first time, you know, Connor wasn't ready. They just they needed a dude in there. Talked about having one scholarship wide receiver. So I think that's what he's getting at, is that like. Manage the expectations based on the experience Mm -hmm. because you throw any 18, 19 year old out there, unless they're superhuman, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, they're probably going to struggle getting into the collegiate level. Iowa is out of the top 25 despite the win against Utah state. They are still technically the 26th ranked team in the country, according to the Associated Press. Is this more about how ugly, Iowa won against Utah State, or you see Duke knocking off Clemson, Colorado, and receipts being kept all over Boulder, or them knocking off TCU, and they've got Nebraska this week. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But bigger factor in the Hawkeyes dropping out, what other teams did or what they are perceived to not have done. Yeah, I
2: think definitely it's more on what the other teams did than sure. on Iowa's appearance. I think that Um, Anybody who's an AP voter who looks at those polls, I think they know like, you know, all right, Iowa just did what they had to do and that's kind of what we expect out of them. Um, But after the games that Duke and Colorado played, you had to put those guys in the top 25. So normally I think, yeah, Iowa probably would have stayed at 25 or maybe moved up a spot. Um, But with some of the other shakeups across the country, it just kind of happened that they fell out to basically the number 26 spot. I mean, realistically, they're the number one team receiving votes.
0: Move one spot. Yeah, for sure. Again, moving on from Utah State, but this is a game that, believe it or not, they're going to take a lot away from for a long stretch of the season. We talked about playing up against an up-tempo offense in temperatures that I believe hit 92 degrees in Iowa City on Saturday. You've got maybe a little extra conditioning from that, according to Kyler Fisher. And then talk to Luke Lachey about finally getting a set of film that you can use that's not maybe pieced together from that week one scouting, trying to find just whatever angle you can on anything. You've got legitimate film. Uh, so Utah State, you know, maybe looked at as a, a, a group of five school and just one of those non-con games that you throw away and move, uh, move away from after you're done with it. But it sounds like it could have legs moving forward, the impact that it's going to leave for the Hawkeyes. Just those circumstances, playing up tempo and in, in heat, does that you know, help prep you guys for the rest of the season in any way?
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, tempo and definitely with the heat, tempo is, is it sucks to play against because, you know, you always got to be out there. You always got to be um, hustling, sprinting back and forth every couple of seconds because you never know when they're going to snap the ball. Um, and, you know, having that as the first game of the season, like, has definitely, you know, gotten our... Defense, though, know, mentally ready to, uh, to come out to anything that the team brings us.
0: Does prep get easier after week one? Again, we were talking about a team that had 60 transfers. I know defense was watching film on four different teams, trying to figure out what this OC was doing and all that. Does it get easier now that, okay, we've got film on a team that played three days ago?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that when you, when you have that film, um, it's nice. You know, with Utah State, there were uh, some new defensive coordinators and everything. and um, you know, it, it, it is helpful
0: to, to be able to watch the personnel you're going against, um, and so I feel like it, 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 it does get a bit easier, but at the end of the day, it, it's it's all preparation, um, and, you know, you got to be be ready every, every week. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said, just my opinion of week one, again, a team that had 60 new players and has some, some shuffling, head coach is still the same, but, you know, you, you change one thing, you can change a lot of things, and for for a team like iowa who's going to play a specific way we've established that for over 25 years under kirk Ferentz. you know you're you're going to get a little bit of everything the opening week you could get that indiana game from two years ago you could get seven to three without a touchdown last year you could get the loss that we saw against northern illinois in 2013 it's or you get two blocked field goals against you and i to, to win in 09 it, yeah. it can be a little bit of everything for sure yeah uh, just never know what you're going to get out there uh Anything else to add? about <laughs> <laughs> Let me yeah. tell you about not knowing what yeah. you're going to get. I went 0-6 <laughs> last week in our picks with the spread. Uh, clearly, I need to do more research. Hopefully, I have. Or maybe we should just stop using spreads altogether. <laughs> I'll, I'll start making excuses right away. Mike, you got the uh, the week one records. Uh, I've yeah. already revealed mine.
1: Yeah, you were 0-6. Thank I was 1-5, so it wasn't that much better. That's and right. uh, Owen was uh, 2 in. Four, I believe.
0: Mm. Nothing says trust our opinion and analysis <laughs> like a combined three and <laughs> three and what eighteen.
1: Well we'll say this though. Three the spreads 15, really yeah. killed us because there were a lot of big spreads and we were we were thinking um you know a lot of teams would cover like Iowa, like Illinois who had to kick a late field goal to beat Toledo. They went on fourth and four and had to complete a you know a, a giant pass to, to even stay alive in that game. Uh, I'm blanking on another one, but all those games were, were a lot closer than we, we thought Purdue lost. I mean,
0: Daniel Jackson's toe helped Minnesota go to 1-0. Yeah, and that was an crazy. amazing catch.
1: I was that kid. Probably the catch of the year in yeah, week one. That was good. insane.
0: He is good. So All yeah. right, Big Ten West, run us down, Mike.
1: All right, we got first a game on another Big Ten, Big 12 matchup. We've got Illinois at Kansas and Lawrence on Friday night at 630. Kansas
0: terrified of it has been <laughs> Kansas for a is month. a three
1: point favorite over under is 58. yeah <laughs> just for a little tidbit
0: I Luke Altmeyer was really good for Illinois. I mean it's going to get swallowed up in the fact that they played a really close game against the team that did win the Mac last year uh, Altmyer's really good. I think going to Lawrence though in a, again a much improved Kansas team over the last couple of years uh, they're favored by three it, it's a coin flip. I think I'm still going to take. I Take pushes, Is that a coward's <laughs> way out. I think they could win, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Kansas minus three. I, I just if that's yeah, if that game's in Champagne, I'll go the other way. But I think going to Lawrence and uh, uh again, a shorter week for mm-hmm. the Illini, that like, um, for the Jayhawks too, but they don't have to travel, so I'll take uh, Kansas minus three.
1: Take as low as $34, according to this website <laughs> I'm on. I've, so if you guys want to make a trip. I got an
0: update on. Cheaper tickets uh, coming up <laughs> for another game. It's
1: wild. I, I'm going to go. I'll, I'll jump in front of you, Owen. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with Illinois. I think people are overreacting. You, like you said, Toledo won the MAC last year, which you know the MAC top to bottom not a great league, but those top teams the can teams really good. do it. Um, and I think they're going to contend this year for the MAC title. So I think people are sleeping on Illinois. Their defense. I mean, they didn't obviously play. It was their quarterback's first game. Allmeyer. Um I've got. I'll take Illinois.
2: Yeah, I, I think you are right that this is going to be a popular week to pick. Kansas um, over Illinois, but um, overall, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I mean, I think uh, looking at Kansas last week, they beat Missouri State. What was it like, uh, 48 to 17 or something? something yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Um, I mean, I feel like Kansas versus Missouri State is typically a game that's like Kansas is lucky if they beat an FCS team. This is not in your year.
0: 2018 Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I I think that they still are carrying over that momentum that they started with last year and um, playing a home game. Kyle Knock earlier today said that uh, he remembers when he was playing at Iowa State that he would go to some Jayhawk games so where there were 1,500 people in the stands. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was rough there for little. a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Kansas is building something good, and so I'll, I'll take Kansas in that one.
0: Tough to have Illinois go at 0-2, but I – Yeah. That's just a tough task. They, they did win. Oh, yeah, they, they did win. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, be, sorry. Feels like a loss, I know. Feels like <laughs> it. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, Boy, just, one on one. Again, we went 3 and 15 last week. <laughs> we don't even know what we're talking about sometimes.
1: Uh, next game. Next game is the big noon kickoff. The surprise of the week Colorado Buffaloes, number 22, probably kicked Iowa out of the rankings. Thanks, Buffs. Thanks, Dion. <laughs> they are three point favorites at home against Nebraska.
0: Just, just <sighs> $330
1: three tickets there.
0: Yeah, those prices are nuts. Yeah, I I was honestly surprised Colorado only jumped to twenty second. Not that I would have put them super, high, but I thought it would just be this massive overcorrection mm-hmm. of what they did, how they looked, and everything. This feels like a bit of a trap because all of a sudden they go from being the three touchdown dog to now being again their home, but you know a favorite <laughs> against a Nebraska team that. Had every opportunity to win that game in Minnesota, you know. Jeff Sims looks like the guy for sure, even with three turnovers. I mean, he was he's he's a weapon coming from Georgia Tech, and he he looked like he's gonna make some noise as well. I'm still gonna take Colorado to cover just because it's I can't imagine them not. I'm I'm Dion keeps receipts, so I'm just gonna keep picking Dion. <laughs> uh and again, do you, Nebraska, you believe? Nebraska coming into Folsom Field, I can't fathom. The first, this game has been circled for so long of Deion's home debut. I can't imagine them not winning and, and winning pretty convincingly. Matt Rule would then be starting 0 2. I got that record right. Future
2: Big Ten, Big 12 matchup, I suppose. <laughs> um, former and future Big Ten. Well, former Big 12 matchup, I guess. I don't know what conferences um, are. I, yeah. I mean, can you guys explain to me as as somebody who's setting betting lines why Colorado is only a three point favorite? I mean, is it just because they were one and eleven
0: last year? Yeah, Yeah. still still just.
2: I mean, gosh, just the way that they looked compared to. You but know. that's why it almost feels suspicious, right? You're like are like, But, yeah, I think
0: that is going to win that game. I do think it'll be points. lower scoring than we saw in Fort Worth. I really? think that Nebraska defense is really good. I think Minnesota can score a few more points. We'll talk about them against EMU coming up. But yeah. I, I think that Nebraska defense is pretty
1: good. One of the reasons I think it's so low is because, um, you know, Colorado did allow, like, 42 points against mm-hmm. TCU yeah. with a new yeah. quarterback. They only had three returning starters on offense. That's true. So... I think that plays with it. I think Nebraska is going to be able to move the ball more than they did on Minnesota. I'm going to take Colorado too. I I, I think that offense isn't a fluke. Sanders, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you
0: don't have four 100 yard receivers yeah. as a fluke. Early and, uh, Dylan I mean,
1: Edwards is they all look really good. Yeah. Got
2: to be thinking uh, potential Rashawn Salam territory here is Shadur Sanders early season Heisman
0: potential favorite. Also, yeah, we right. talked about not having a, a both ways guy since Chris Campbell, and we totally forgot about Jabril Peppers. Oh, it's like right in the last decade.
1: He didn't play as much as not Travis a, Hunter, not right? Not as
0: much, but he—I mean—he was a Heisman what? finalist because
1: 112 of plays or something like that that Travis Hunter played for Colorado. That can't keep up every week, but or can it?
0: Don't did you not hear about the receipts, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna land those dream jobs in Denver
2: one day. These kids and are then conditioned. He's he's coming after us.
1: All right, next game is uh, 11 a.m. kick, Purdue at Virginia Tech. This is an interesting one. This just is cause. super interesting. <laughs>
0: Again, a, an 0-1 Purdue team after that loss to Fresno State. Which one of us? One of us picked. Prognostication Tech, right there. Three-point favorites. Three-point favorite. I I can't see Purdue going 0-2. I, I think it, it'll be tough, so I, I'm going to take Purdue plus the three. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe they keep it within a field goal and, and still drop one on the road. Virginia Tech's a pretty good team. Uh, but Hudson Card, uh, he's... He's too good, I think, to go to 0-2. Yeah. Uh,
2: even though I know Old Dominion is sometimes a respectable uh, team to play, I mean, 36-17 over them is, I don't know, underwhelms me a little bit if you're a Virginia Tech. I, I I really like Purdue to to, to beat him.
1: I'm going with Purdue too. All right, I'm going to skip over. We'll do Iowa State last. UTEP at Northwestern at 230. Uh, UTEP is a one-and-a-half point favorite on that one.
0: I, so tickets to this game are as low as $3. <laughs>
1: Help me in. Is that Chicago? Yeah. If I didn't have plans this weekend. I don't know you'll
0: like, pay 50 for parking at Evanston and then get in the game for 3 bucks. Yeah. This is like a Kansas City Buck Night
2: situation where they're just trying to get anybody in the stadium. I'm going to take,
0: take Northwestern plus the one and a half. I, again, Ben Bryant looked decent. Rutgers just had this ridiculous game plan where um, I think it was in The Athletic. There's a really fascinating article of they just – milked the clock as what i think they had the ball for 13 and a half minutes in the first quarter by design like they forced a three and out and then just had two drives in the mm-hmm. second one went into the second quarter, so they were all about ball control it rutgers is a fun team to watch if you like that just kind of like very strategic mm-hmm. uh offensive layout uh but i think again i think northwestern will get a, a few more wins than people are thinking this year so i'll take them plus the one and a half i'd expect them to win uh, I go to Mike, Northwestern, yeah, too.
1: Go ahead. I think UTEP, I mean, they, they lost that first game to Jacksonville State, who was an SES. Coached SCDS, by? Coached by uh, Jerry Kill, is that
0: right? No, that's New Mexico State. Oh, dang it. Another Big Ten coach, though. Yeah. Former Big Ten coach.
1: I'm blanking on who it is.
0: Rich Rodriguez.
1: Oh, Rich Rod. No, I didn't wow. know that. I,
0: three yeah. and out by John U. Bacon. Book recommendation for the weekend. Uh, about his three years in Ann Arbor. Really fascinating book. Hmm.
1: Yeah, UTEP, they, they lost that opening game to a new FBS program, and only beat Incarnate Word twenty eight fourteen last week. Obviously, I didn't watch that, but I will take Northwestern to get their first win of the year, maybe their only one. You're not enough of a degenerate to be watching, <laughs> watching a little
2: <laughs> UTEP action. Um, North, uh, Northwestern got Duke next week, by the way. Um, Game looks ye- a lot tougher. Ye- yikes. Um, yeah, I guess I would say... Who'd you pick?
1: No, uh, Northwestern.
2: Okay. Uh, I guess I'll take UTEP just to be a little contrarian. I think it, yeah, <laughs> they'll, 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 they can... They're they're recovering after that loss to to Jacksonville State.
1: All right, next game is Wisconsin on the road. They're in Pullman, Washington. Uh, Wisconsin's a a six-and-a-half point favorite against Washington State. Washington State beat them last year.
0: Speaking of Incarnate Word, a (laughs) young man named Cameron Ward, who was a monster at Incarnate Word as a freshman and sophomore, transferred to Wazoo. Last year following uh, either his head coach or his, his OC, this kid is special. Hmm. I mean, he's people talk about in Washington State, in the state of Washington, I should say, Michael Penix being a dark horse Heisman. If Cameron Ward can do what he did two years ago at Incarnate Word, he had kind of a transitionary year last year. He had 47 touchdowns passing uh, for Incarnate Word in, in 2021. He had a great start to this season. I'm taking Wazoo, plus six and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if they win again. This kid can cook. Hmm. I think he and Tanner Mordecai are going to have some field days out there throwing it around, but I'm, I'm going to take Cameron Ward. This kid is is super, super special. ton of fun to watch, so I'll take them in Pullman.
2: Yeah, playing it on the Palouse. Um, that's always going to be advantage Cougs. Um, Wisconsin, another win over a Max school over the weekend. They beat Buffalo. Uh, Wisconsin had two rushers with 100 plus yards and two touchdowns each um but I feel like I was touting up Wisconsin's defense uh in the preseason too but um I don't know you might be selling me on this one Mitch um especially playing the home game (laughs) go watch this kid's tape he's (laughs) fun playing their home playing this at home in Pullman I think that that could could be the deciding factor here so yeah I'll take I'll take Washington State
1: yeah, they're, all that talk about the air raid, and they, they rushed more than they ran. Obviously, they played Buffalo, Wisconsin. So um, I think I'm going to take the Cougs too. I I think everyone understates how hard it is to go west and, and for a road game, especially the non-conference, when you're not in the thick of uh, the season. So as much as uh, my heart says just take the Big Ten team, I'm going to take the Cougs. And uh, we've got one more game for Iowa State. It's uh, Eastern Michigan versus Minnesota, Minnesota's 20.5-point favorite.
0: I'm going to take EMU to cover just because that's a massive spread, and I think we all took Iowa to cover minus 23 against Utah State. Uh, Eastern Michigan featuring former uh, Iowa running back Samson Evans. I believe he's a senior there. Former Drake head coach Chris Creighton has been building something Decent in Ypsilanti. I mean compared to when, man when I yeah they, they were was a joke the Mac for a and, long and Ron time. English was there that was a, a really tough program yeah. uh, so they've certainly gotten better obviously PJ Fleck familiar with Eastern Michigan from his time coaching at Western Michigan uh, it's a directional reunion call your friends call your family bring them in uh, I think I or I think Minnesota still wins handily uh, but maybe just by twenty and, and not that twenty one Ethan Kaliak Manis. Uh, showed he can throw the ball. He's got, again, Daniel Jackson and, and some great weapons around there. Sean Tyler, I think this is Sean Tyler uh, doing a little more on that offense than Nathan Kaliak-Manus throwing it around. So it might be a little more ground and pound, uh, more than we saw last week against Nebraska for the Gophers.
1: Yeah,
2: I think Eastern Michigan could keep this within 20 points, possibly. Um, again, just for Michigan's sake, just like not yeah, not needing to, to win this game by a million. Um, but... Eastern Michigan, by the way, just beat Howard, whom also will play Northwestern down the road. Sure. Possible win for them. Um, yeah, I, obviously, I like Mi- Minnesota to win, but uh, I think that Eastern Michigan uh, keeps it within twenty.
1: I'm going to go Minnesota. I'm going to be the opposite one here. I I think they're probably going to just roll. You know, they didn't it have lo- shock me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tickets low as ten dollars though, if you want to go to Minneapolis.
2: Man, <laughs> how do we?
1: Y'all are. I'm just on the ESPN website. Make trips. All right, so the big one of the week, at least for us, is the Sihaot game. Iowa's traveling to Iowa State. Line moved up to I think it was two and a half earlier in the week, but it's four now in favor of the Hawkeyes. Over under six and a half or thirty six and a half. That'd be funny if it was six and a half. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and also intriguing. Who, who you got? Iowa minus the four. I, I think Kyler pointed to it, and this was, I I kept thinking about this a lot, and we talked about it on Sunday too. Just to play against an up-tempo offense in that kind of heat, I mean, that's the ultimate litmus test for a, a defense. It, the, I had to bail out of this analogy when I was talking to Kyler about it. He gave me kind of a look. You saw at the beginning of the sound, <laughs> body, he was laughing. But I was like, yeah, it feels like kind of you're standing in the on-deck circle with the donut on the baseball bat and like everything gets easier after that. And he kind of gave me one of those looks. And <laughs> like, Here's what I'm trying to ask. And I, I do feel like that. that. That defense ran around for 72 plays uh-huh. against this offense that doesn't give you a whole lot of breaks. It's gonna be cooler in Ames, maybe a little slower paced. I think Iowa's defense is conditioned again against the quarterback who's only gonna make his second career start they could have a big day. I think we'll see maybe a little bit more of the Iowa offense. I would I would expect Caleb Johnson to maybe have a little more success. I mean, had a big run there, obviously had the big kickoff return, but maybe a little closer to what people are asking for. I don't think the O-line's that far off when it comes to run blocking and pass protection was was really good uh, against Utah State. So I'll take Iowa to cover, and I think they take the Cyhawk trophy back to Iowa City.
2: Yeah, Cyclone fans, I think, are feeling a little bit too confident after that <laughs> win over Northern Iowa. Boy, they're Cyclone Larry's out there talking a oh, big game oh, after,
0: oh, <laughs> after that
2: one. Oh, Lair. Uh, Jake Brin, good buds with um, Cyclone Larry, who apparently went to my high school, he, he tells me. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm many years younger than myself, but um, a fellow uh, former BCLEW Comet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, as I alluded to earlier, I think that I was going to win this game by a bunch. Um, get up and just uh, put their foot on the gas and keep it on cruise control.
1: I, I think it's going to be a close game. I'm taking Iowa State with the points, but I think Iowa wins. So I think yeah, it's a field I've, goal. I am a little concerned. I guess we could have talked about this with the, with the punting game. Tori had one blocked and almost had a few other ones.
0: Remember that there's a kid from Utah State, though, that had like three or four that's last true. year alone. I think he's the guy who got the hand on this Is he a pump so.
1: block specialist? <laughs> <laughs> pay
0: the man. Pay him. Uh, um, whatever you
1: can do. But it is concerning. Ho- hopefully that's not an issue, but that could flip a game right on. You know. Right over. So. so
0: we saw it in twenty nineteen. What can happen on special teams yeah. as well. And how many times has this come down to a field goal? So yeah, it's it, it's cliche, but it's kind of true. Like forget about what you did last week or who's supposed to do what. It's it's the sci hawk game. It's good, clean, fun. Just gonna get out there and uh, rep for your set of state however you can. Remember, we will have the live reaction podcast again on Sunday at noon, breaking down everything. Thanks to everybody who was in there. Uh, this past Sunday I believe we peaked at twenty-four. Live uh, viewers, so that's our favorite that's twenty-four awesome. people. Yeah, in, in Iowa and Utah. Except our our yeah, There was that one Utah guy. Um, if he wants to come back, that's that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. I'm over it. Boost the numbers. Anyways, uh, speaking of boosting numbers, follow us on Twitter at I on the Hawks, the Iowa's News Now, YouTube, and Instagram feeds, where you can find more clips. And again, that that live show coming up on Sunday. But all eyes on Saturday at Jack Trice as we get ready for the Si Hawk for. Mike and Owen, I'm Mitch. We'll see you back here Sunday. Whatever side you're rooting for, do it loudly, do it safely. We'll see you back here. I just hope we all have fun. There you go.